Okay, good morning. Lovely to see you all. Thank you. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, but that's great. Thank you, Nigel. I wonder, have you ever wished that you could make a fresh start? Maybe it's in terms of relationships, how you've treated someone. Perhaps it's your career path, what you've trained to do. Perhaps it's getting fit, eating better, that kind of thing. We can all yearn to create new habits and new ways of doing things. When I was younger, me and my sister used to have these little handheld electronic games. Can't say it. I had Mario Brothers, and she had Donkey Kong. This is very old, okay? Very old. It's not working anymore, sadly.、Um, but we used to love playing on these games. And、um, so I had to make my little man go along the conveyor belt and jump over things and, and dodge things to earn points. And I had three lives to do that. And sometimes I did really well with it. It was great.、Um, and then other days I went to it, and I was playing really badly, and it was frustrating. And What I really liked about this was that it had a reset button, and I could press the reset button and renew my three lives and start over. It was great. You know, today there are whole sections of bookshops and libraries dedicated to self-help books, supposedly giving you the opportunity to press that reset button and renew your life and start again. Books like *Become a New You: Seven Steps to a New Life*. If we have put our faith in Jesus, there are changes that God wants to bring about in our lives. The Bible isn't a guide to self-help. The Word of God is not about becoming a better version of yourself. It's about God creating something new. Self-help books can only ever lead to the best life that we can imagine for ourselves. But the gospel is about the power of God at work in our lives. The gospel is about becoming who we are in Jesus Christ. A preacher once said, "God doesn't make good people better; He makes dead people live." Wow, that is where we have come from. We were dead, and we are now alive. And as we've heard through the first three chapters of Ephesians. We bring nothing to the table before God. Jesus paid the death that we deserved because of our sin when He died on the cross for us. And Chapter Four has been written in the light of all that's come before it. It's by grace that we've been saved. Nothing that we can do of our own efforts. It's utterly and completely the work of God through Jesus Christ. And Chapter Four is now about turning to the life that God has created for us. It's about becoming who we are in Christ, and that's what I call this talk: becoming who we are in Christ. So, how do we live lives that are different from those around us who don't follow Christ? We're going to start by reading Ephesians four verses seventeen to nineteen and looking into those verses, and then we'll look at other parts of the chapter later on. So, let's read verses seventeen to nineteen together first of all. So, I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So let's just dive a little bit deeper into these few verses. In verse 17, the Ephesians are told to no longer live as the Gentiles do. 
And Paul is talking here about the unbelieving Gentiles who were living in the the world around the church in Ephesus. At the beginning of this passage, Paul's words are forthright and strong. He says, I insist, and you must no longer, when referring to how the Ephesians should live. He is passionate about the people of the church in Ephesus living God's way. Why? Well, Ephesus at the time when Paul was writing was one of the great ports of the ancient world. It was full of drunken sailors and greedy tradesmen. So the people in the Ephesian church were surrounded by ungodly lifestyles. Feels feels familiar, doesn't it? Paul's heart for them is that they should live differently from the people around them whose behaviour was just not honouring God. And verses 17 to 19, in a nutshell, tell us that people were living outside of God's ways. Their lives were focused on themselves and whatever that felt good, they did, and whatever looked good, they touched. And as the Gentiles lived in this way, they were becoming more and more entrenched in sin, and Satan was drawing them in further to his schemes, so that their thinking and their understanding were darkened and their judgment skewed. The unbelieving Gentiles were living according to their futile thinking, it says in this passage, And futile means empty, aimless, pointless, lacking direction. When our children were little, we used to love blowing bubbles in the garden. So, you know, the little pot you get of fairy liquid and the little little wand kind of thing. And we'd go out in the garden, blow the bubbles, they'd chase after them, they're sitting there going, did we? They did, they did. And um, they used to love watch them and, and then they would eventually burst, of course. And because we enjoyed doing this so much, one Christmas, I think it probably was thumbing through an Argos catalogue, I found magic bubbles. I was like, wow, these have got to be bigger and better than ever before, haven't they? So we bought the magic bubbles for Christmas. And they said that they were going to be bigger and stronger. And we went into the kitchen on Christmas Day and we blew these big bubbles, great big wand, and these big bubbles came out and they looked stronger and they were amazing. But of course, they actually burst as well. And the mess they made on the kitchen floor did not impress me. The Gentiles were living according to their futile thinking. And this is like living in a bubble. A bubble to look at is wonderful, it's attractive, it's got lovely colours and shape, it's even got the rainbow in it. And yet, it suddenly disappears. There's nothing there. It's full of air, and you're left empty-handed with nothing at all. It seems to me that there are many comparisons we can make between the city of Ephesus back in the day when Paul was writing and our city of Colchester and even this nation. There are many lives, many people who are living lives in a bubble, focused on themselves. And I think actually, dare I say it, that we became a little bit more self-centered during COVID times. People were looking out for others, but we were also given permission to stay at home, take care of ourselves, and there was that temptation to become that little bit more self-focused. The message in the world around us today is do what makes you happy. Look after yourself. You're worth it. You, You indulge yourself. But of course, not everybody lives solely for themselves, even if they don't believe in God. Many seek to live a moral good life. I'm a good person. I'll seek to live a moral life. But you know, practicing morality without godliness is never going to touch the real problems in our society. Being ungodly but moral isn't enough. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones, on his commentary of verses 17 to 19, says this. The evil involved is in the heart of men, and it is only a message that can deal with the heart of men that is adequate to meet the problem. People in our city, our nation, and the world need Jesus. They need to have their hearts and their lives transformed by the power of the gospel. I wonder, are we praying for our friends, for our neighbours and our family to encounter Jesus and to understand what living life in all its fullness is about? That's a challenge today. Let's pray more for those around us that don't yet know the Lord. Okay, so let's look at verses 20 to 24 together. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And just as Paul shared his heart with the Ephesians, The Spirit of God says to us today that if you have put your life in Jesus, then walk differently. Walk differently from how you were before. You came to know Christ and were centered on him, not on the world. And throughout Ephesians, the phrase in Christ appears no less than 35 times. Now that is significant. The whole book reminds us that Christ should be at the centre of every part of our lives. And more than that, in Christ, we're not a better version of our old selves. We are a new creation. We heard about Jesus, then we were taught about him, and we ourselves have been brought in and adopted into his family when we've declared him as Lord of our lives. The old us is dead, and now we are new people. The Christian should know that they are different from how they were before and unbelievers should look on and see that and hear that too. I wonder, can we say that's true of our lives? Dr. Billy Graham was a missionary who shared the gospel with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. And he famously said this, if you were accused of being a Christian Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Hard-hitting stuff, isn't it? Challenging stuff. Verse 22 says, put off your old self, or in other words, change your clothes. I wonder, have you ever looked online and and Googled um, product details, um, labels on products? There's some really funny things that get written on products that people don't notice. Okay, so on flat pack furniture... There were some instructions typed out and a side note that said, make nachos, optional but recommended. In other words, this is going to take you a long time to make this product. It does in our house anyway. And found on the back of a label on a shirt was, wash this when dirty. You need to know that, don't you? Okay. And even on underwear, for best results, change daily. Some of you need to hear that, okay? So... For us to be who we are in Christ, we need to change our clothes and take off the old self, which has been centered on ourselves. Take it off. Throw it away. (laughs) When you've been working outside in your garden, sometimes happens in our house even, after a few hours of work, you get hot 
and dirty and sweaty. So you come into your house, you take off your dirty shoes, take off your clothes and hop in the shower. Verse 22 and 23 talks about us taking off the old self with its deceitful nature and be renewed. Take a shower. Be Being made new is not something we can do of ourselves. It's something that God needs to do in us by his Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We need to respond to the Holy Spirit. We need to ask him to pinpoint things in our lives that don't reflect the new us, who we should be. The things that hinder our walk with God and entangle us in sin. Now, another visual aid. God spoke to me very pictorially for this this talk. You know, some things in our lives can be really obvious and others not so much that the Holy Spirit wants to pinpoint. I want you to imagine this is your life, okay? The Holy Spirit needs to work in us, but it's about us cooperating with him as well. And we've just read about throwing things off. It's it's an active thing that we have to do. He wants to look into the depths of our lives. He wants us to throw off things that are not godly and not honouring to him. So how are you doing with anger? That's not a godly thing. Throw it off. What about what you're listening to? Whether that's through the TV, whether it's what other people say to you, whether it's gossip. Don't do it, throw it off. How are we doing with speaking to others? How are we speaking to others? Are we building them up? Are we loving them? Are we caring? Sometimes the way we speak is not right. Throw it off. Do we struggle with jealousy? Do we want what someone else has got? Throw it off. How are we using our time and money? Is it honouring to God? Throw off what shouldn't be there. And a big one. The things that we're watching. Whether it's on the TV, on our phones, on our laptops. What are we allowing into our minds through what we're watching? Throw off what we shouldn't be doing. God spoke to me further about this as well. And I was thinking about the fact that I'm going to be throwing all these things over the floor and it might be kind of nice for the worship team if I moved it out of the way before they came up, otherwise they're going to trip over it. It's messy. And God said to me, People are going to hear you, Debs, but they're going to think, if I throw off these things, it's going to be messy. People in my life, in my home, are maybe going to find out things about me that I've never confessed. Maybe people in the body of Christ are going to find out things about me that I haven't confessed. So the easier thing to do is to take what I've tried to throw off, hide it back in, put it back in my life, hide it away. No one's going to know then. Might as well just keep going. God says no. God wants to do a mighty work in each and every one of us. Believe me, this weekend, (laughs) I have been needed to come to God and confess things and throw things off. 
I am not immune. None of us are. He wants to do something powerful in our lives. Please don't put it back into your life. Please don't hide it and push it down. Let God come. We've been hearing today, he is merciful. He is merciful and loving. This isn't a sermon about, um, you should do this, you should do that. This is about living the best life we can. And the Holy Spirit wants to see us living in that way. God wants us to honour him. There's no condemnation here. He is a forgiving Heavenly Father. But we need to live in a different way, in the new clothes. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, There is nothing that I know of that is so strengthening to faith, so strengthening in the daily living of the Christian life, as to realise that the old man had gone forever. And it's because of that that I am to put away from me forever anything and everything that belonged to him or that in any way suggests him. This is hard-hitting stuff, isn't it? Because we can so easily fall into behaviours and living in the old way. And Paul says, you must no longer live in these old behaviours. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to throw off today? Let him in. Ask him to help you to live a life that honours God in every area. Don't close certain doors. Open yourself completely to him. He's a loving God who wants the best for you. You know, if you would like to pray with someone today that you feel you can trust, please, please approach someone. Please don't stay where you're at. This is so important for the body of Christ. Verse 23 says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. So one day we might decide we're going to get healthy. We're going to create some new habits and we're going to join a gym. We get, we get all our gear, we get our nice new trainers, nice new water bottle and bags, so we look the part. But unless we get the attitude of our minds in that right place, we're still not going to go to the gym. Anyone ever experienced that? <laughs> I've been looking at a, a book in discipleship um, called Winning the War in Your Mind, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. It's really helpful, really helpful, because actually, how often do we really think about what we're thinking? How often do we stop to do that? And in the introduction, it says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. We need to renew our thinking by the help of the Holy Spirit. Because we can form ruts, actual proper neural pathways. I'm not a scientist, so I won't get all the words right. But we can form ruts that we just habitually go over, the ways of thinking, ways of behaviour that just become a habit without even thinking, that are not honouring to God. So we need to identify the patterns of wrong thinking in our lives and we need to create a new, as it says in this book, trench of truth. Trench of truth. And that is by filling our minds with the word of God. What the word of God says about us and what the word of God says about how we should live and behave and treat other people. And as we do that, we need to meditate on the word we need to think about it, we need to confess it. It's, it's really powerful what we confess with our mouths, the words we use, we can use them for good. And then as we confess them, we're going to start to believe it, believe it about ourselves and believe 
who we are in God. The reality of the gospel is that we have been changed. And it's about time that we started wearing the clothes we've been given. Take off the old self, be renewed in the attitude of your mind. And put on the new self, final prop. Oh, I can't get it on with the wire, but there we go. You know, when we go to buy new clothes and take them into the changing room, we can put them up on the peg, can't we? But we don't just stand there and say, okay, magically put yourselves on me. Okay, that's silly, I know. But it's the same with God, isn't it? We have to put these things on. If you've put your faith in Jesus, we've been given a new wardrobe. And it's a whole lot better than what we were wearing. Put off the old clothes and put on the new you in Christ. Romans 13 verse 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Our new clothing is centred on Christ. The dress code for the church is not to become better versions of yourselves. It's calling to be the new you. To be who you were created to be in Christ. There's lots of metaphors um, in the Bible about putting on. And later on in Ephesians, we're going to be hearing about putting on the armour of God. I thought I won't steal that for this talk, although it was tempting. So this metaphor, these, these images in the Bible, are about being habitual. We change our clothes daily. It's a routine that we must live in that is putting on the new clothes. We've been redeemed chosen, saved by grace. That is who we are. That is our status. But it's a daily, continual process of living in the reality of that. Remember the message on the underwear? For best results, change daily. Let's look then at verses 25 to 32. If I can find the right thing, here we go. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So, we're told to put off falsehood and speak truthfully. So, in our relationships, put on the new self. Now, that doesn't look like hiding behind false pretenses because we're more concerned about ourselves rather than our neighbour. And it's not about us looking good rather than being honest. No, be truthful in love. But it's easier just not to tell the whole truth, isn't it? Just to tell a little white lie? Does it matter? No. That's your old self. Take it off. Renew the attitude of your mind. Why? Because we're members of one body together. It's not about us anymore. It's about Christ. And in your anger, it says, do not sin. We all get angry at times, don't we? That's a reality. 
Maybe some of you don't, but I know I do. Okay? And the first type of anger, it says, in your anger, do not sin. So it's actually okay to be angry. But this kind of anger is when we see injustice in the world around us, when we see people being taken advantage of. This kind of anger should stir us to pray and seek ways of helping those who are suffering around us through injustice. But the other kind of anger really doesn't look so nice. And this kind of anger is an easy way to let us fall back into our old clothes, the old wardrobe, the old selves. We lash out in anger because of fear with harsh words and we let it rule our minds and our tongues and our behaviour. And here Paul is recognising the danger in anger and the damage it can do. And he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. A little anecdote. A couple decided when they first got married never to go to bed or to sleep being angry with one another. When they met with their pastor to talk through how they'd been doing, they both confessed that they had really tried to live life this way, but neither of them had slept for three weeks. (laughs) It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. And that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit and putting on the new self. The principle, don't let anger overtake your heart and mind, is important because it's no longer about ourselves. It's about Christ. It's about his church and what he is doing in this world. Put on your new clothes and let the peace of Christ rule in your minds, your hearts, what you say and the way you live. And if we make a regular routine of putting off our old self and putting on the new self, we'll make a regular routine of laying down our anger, of forgiving those who have hurt us and looking to the Lord for justice. In verse 28, it says about stealing, steal no longer. The old self steals or cuts corners. Now, you may say to me, well, Debs, I don't go out and rob food from the supermarket. But it's easy to cut corners here and there, isn't it? In our work, perhaps we leave early on a regular basis and we shouldn't be. Perhaps taking home some spare stationery from work. Or we can steal from those in authority over us by not paying our taxes Stealing is about getting what I can, but we are called to live in giving and being generous to others. Even our worth, our money, is affected by being in Christ. Putting on the new self says, I work so that I can bless other people. For the best results, change clothes daily. And verse 29, no unwholesome talk. The new self builds others up. I wonder, have you ever been in a situation where you're with a group of friends, um, with work colleagues, with family, might even have been people from church, and the conversation starts, and you start to think, I don't feel very comfortable with this. I know I've been there. And you think, do you know what? This doesn't measure up to my new self. But you take part in the conversation because you want to save face and you want to fit in. The old self creeps back in so easily when our primary concern is focused on us. But we are new in Christ. And the new self is centred on building up the body, building other people up. So as this scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't do all the stuff that we've talked about that the old stuff did. Old self did, sorry. Don't throw off all the new clothes that you have been given in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a sign of the redemption we have received in Christ Jesus. 
don't walk out on that by putting on the old clothes, the old style, the old ways of living focused on yourself, but put on the new style focused on Jesus. Christ is not only the pattern for our new wardrobe, he is the power by his spirit behind it. He's not only the standard to live by, he's the one who will enable us to do it. And by the power of his Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. We can be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave us. If we've put our faith in Christ, he has extended his hand of forgiveness towards us. And this is the message of Ephesians. If you have been forgiven, live as the forgiven and extend forgiveness towards others. If you've been raised with Christ, live as those who have been raised. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, the old has gone and the new has come. Put on your new clothes and don't turn back to that old wardrobe. Amen.